may be aware that the Olympics just got underway, the opening ceremonies on Friday. I'm always amazed to the extent that these men and women can push their bodies to compete at such high levels. And in preparation to the Olympics, of course, four years between them, but leading up to the months and weeks, even the day of their event, they plan it so that on the day of their event, their body is in tip-top shape. Father Burke and I played tennis. We played tennis the other night, and it had been a long time since either one of us had played tennis. So we were kind of just getting back in the swing of things. We played underneath the lights there. We walked down to the park, and we're just volleying around. But with both of us being extremely competitive, we knew, I think, in the back of our minds, we knew that it was a matter of time before one of us were going to say, you want to play a game? And so that did happen, and of course we kept score. I want the record to show that I didn't just win, I destroyed him. <laughs> See, Father Burke has fallen, he's fallen out of tip-top shape. The shape that he was in when he played baseball. And he blames that on, of course, many of you dropping off sweets. But it's hard to excel if we're not in tip-top shape. Of course, that's the case physically. Any athlete will tell you that. But it's also the case spiritually. And I say it's even more so the case today. A mediocre spiritual life or being nominally Catholic may have been enough to get one by decades ago, but not today, not with the secular culture that we live in today. The pressure on parents to raise your children kind of more and more void of the gospel values and more and more with the grain of which the way that secular culture is going, that pressure is strong to not put God first, to have other things creep up on the priority list above God. Students, those that are in school, talked with a number of people over the weekend already that are home over college or even in high school. And I'd say even now, as early as grade school, the pressure to do away with God, to not put him first and to go in line with the secular culture, that pressure is strong. Those home over college, home over break here, you know that well. And if we're not in shape, if we're not in spiritual shape, it's really hard, I'd say impossible, to resist the pull of the secular culture. It's impossible to strive and to thrive. And so St. Paul, over the last couple of weeks, he's been trying to get the Christians in Ephesus in shape. First three chapters, he's been talking more about doctrine. And he's, he's mentioning first things first, the importance Remember what it is that God has done for you. But in these last three chapters, chapters 4, 5, and 6, of which we begin with chapter 4 today, Paul gets really practical, and he brings things down to earth, which is really helpful for you and I, because it's when things come down to earth, the day-to-day -day life, we know that life is messy, and it's hard. And so Paul gets into, th into things with regards to how Christians should speak, he gets into relationships. He gets into marriage. He talks about the spiritual battle. 
Paul gets down to earth and real practical. And today we have just six verses that we hear from, which I just want to break open one verse. And it's the first verse. And from that one verse, I want to draw two keys out to help us to either stay or get into tip-top shape. And that is one, the need to raise the bar. And secondly, the need to be consistent. So first, the need to raise the bar. That first, that verse, in chapter four, verse one, Paul says, brothers and sisters, I urge you to live in a manner worthy of the call you have received. The implication, of course, here of Paul urging this is that many, if not most, of the Christians in Ephesus are not living in a worthy manner. That's why Paul is, is urging them on. The bar for the Christians in Ephesus had lowered for whatever reason. Certainly there weren't many Christians around. So maybe that contributed to the bar being lowered. Maybe it was just a slow slippage of the bar coming down. But when the bar is lower, it's not a recipe for excellence. You can't achieve heights when the bar is low. And so Paul sniffs this out in this community and he urges them on, he says, remember what you've been called to. Strive for that. Raise the bar again, he's urging them on. Live in a manner worthy of the call that you've received. And to be clear, the call that they received is the same call we've received because of our, of our baptism. And it's a high one. It's to become sharers in God's life. To become like God. Peter, in one of his letters, 2 Peter verse, chapter 1, verse 4 says, the word, became the word became flesh so that we may be partakers of the divine nature. Or elsewhere, Paul, in his first, first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 4, verse 3, says, This is the will of God, that you be holy. Those are tough goals. That's a high bar. It's, it's not easily attained. But being a saint is not easy. But it's, that's why it's all the more to have the goal ever before us in front of our eyes. This is why Paul is urging them on. Remember the call. Be worthy of the call that you've received. I read in the, that the, the average Olympian over the course of four years will spend 10,000 hours training. The only way one is able to push their body to the extent of 10,000 hours of training is that they have the high bar if they have the goal to not only get to Tokyo in the Olympics, but win a gold medal. That's a crazy high goal. Then temptation for us is to fall in the same pit as the, early, as the Christians did in Ephesus. And that is, they have a bar that's too low. However that might happen. And for today, it may be from our surroundings, our neighbors, our classmates in school, whether in college or high school, we notice that the, the bar's low. And because of that, over time, our bar lowers. Maybe it's because we're discouraged from past mistakes, past sins, or current sins that we struggle with. Before long, we may just think, well, that's just who I am. That's the thing that I struggle with, and I always will. Paul says, no, you're not thinking like a Christian. 
because of what it is that God has done for us and how he's, 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 he's won us. He's adopted us as his children. He's saying, think with a new mind and now live in a manner worthy of the call that you received. Quit thinking as if you can't overcome this or that. That's why we, we want to ask Jesus today, Lord, grant me the grace today to leave here with the bar raised. Wherever my bar's at, Lord, help me, grant me the grace to raise the bar, to leave here with the mentality today, as we leave this church, that I'm going to leave here and I'm going to get after it. Because the bar is going to be raised, which leads us to the second key, which is it's time to get consistent. When Paul urges the Ephesians to live in a manner worthy of the call that we received, Paul's encouraging consistency. When the New Testament uses the word live, other translations translate it to walk. And it puts an emphasis on the day-to-day living or the day-to-day walking. Inconsistency kills progress. An Olympic athlete who is not consistent in their training routine, like, you know, I'll skip today. Alarm goes off. I'm not going to get in the pool. I'm going I'm I'm to miss today. You have that go. That spirals the inconsistency, and it kills progress. And it also kills progress in the spiritual life. I'm doing pretty good with prayer time. Been pretty good with avoiding sin, but then I slip. I miss a day of prayer. Then it's two, or I fall into this sin, and then it's the next day, and things can just progress and progress and progress. Inconsistency, not being diligent, does not help us become the man or woman that we long to be. Inconsistency does not help us to be the man or woman that God has called us to be. So the question is, where do I need to grow in consistency in my spiritual life? Show me, Lord. So that I can live in a manner the worthy, can I, I can live in a manner worthy of the call that I've received. And if we're sitting here saying, well, Father Mark, the bar, like I'm so far below the bar here. Like the things that I struggle with, the habits that I currently have, I'm so far below the bar. Hear this, Jesus Christ died for those that are below the bar. It's why he came to, to, to rescue, to deliver us. That's why he died. But it's little by little incremental improvements. The choices I make on a day-to-day, even hour-by-hour basis, lead to habits. Habits lead to virtue, which is just living excellently, consistently, which leads to holiness. In closing, I just want to mention, we heard in the gospel today, Jesus' miraculous feeding of the 5,000. It is impossible to get in tip-top shape without being properly nourished. Athletes are counting their macros, their carbs, their proteins. You can't get in tip-top shape without being properly nourished. Jesus 
abundantly, miraculously fed the 5,000 and he feeds us as we will be spending the next number of weeks in John chapter 6. Next week we're going to look at John chapter 6 of how it is that God has given us his power and his strength in the Eucharist. But until then, given our culture and our society, the need for us to get in tip-top shape is great. By raising the bar and being consistent, we can live in a manner worthy of the call that we've received.